Buenos días. Estás escuchando a la Life in Paradise podcast. Yo soy Brandon Harper. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning back into the Life in Paradise podcast. You already know I'm your host because I just said it, so I won't say it again. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job with lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. It may sound like I just complain about everything, and I kind of do, but I just compile my thoughts through the week, and then I come here and unleash them. So if you don't like them, you don't have to listen. But just remember, even if we disagree, we can still be friends. Today is Sunday, September 12, 2021. And it's raining outside, so you might hear some background noise. There's nothing I can do. I'm terrible at this audio stuff. I don't know how to make anything work. I spent tons of money on all this equipment, and I can never get it to work right. So that's just how I be doing it, you know? That's just how I be doing it. I got some good stuff to bitch, I mean, talk about today. But first, a word from our sponsors. I'm just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. Listen, people, I can see who listens to this podcast. I can tell that there's people from all over the world. If you would like for me to promote you or your product or your business, let me know. It's totally free. It won't cost you anything. I'm sitting here offering free advertisement to our listener base. And we have people that download this thing in Russia, Czechoslovakia, Germany, Canada, US, all of Central America. You'd be surprised. You'd think I'm kidding. I'm not. We got a worldwide audience over here. But I'm not here to brag about our audience. I'm here to talk about crypto, a little about politics, and hopefully some other life lessons that you can pick up along the way. There's one thing you'll know about me, it's that I don't do pre-recorded intros. So, sit back, relax, and let me belly up to the helm for about the next 30 to 45 minutes. up all my people man i am glad summer is coming to a close we got some fall rain today hummingbird action has been on fire i stuck my uh my camera phone up in the tree and i put it on slow mo and i got some really cool hummingbird footage and then i thought you know what i bet you i could just go stand over there right next to the tree real still and they would still come eat the the sugar juice and so i did I literally had like five hummingbirds just buzzing around my head, fighting each other off for the juice. It was a pretty cool experience. I've only seen more hummingbirds in one place at one time, one other time. And that was probably like 40 or 50 of them. It was in Guatemala. It was crazy. I love hummingbirds. They're so cool. They move differently than any other animal that we have. They're kind of like freaks of nature. I mean, their heartbeat, their resting heart rate is like 250 beats per minute. I mean, their heart is like the size of a grain of rice. And when they're flying, it can beat up to as fast as 1,200 beats per minute. I just can't think what it would be like to, to use that much energy. They're very, very rarely sitting still. I don't know. I love hummingbirds. They could be aliens. Who knows? They could be from a different planet. 
but I think they're cool to watch. I know some of you guys are thinking, this ain't no nature show. I ain't, this ain't no AM radio station where I want to hear somebody talk about nature and birds. So I'll move right along. But just know, hummingbirds are awesome. If you don't like them, I'm not sure if we can be friends. Well, maybe. I just probably wouldn't respect you that much. Kind of like people who don't like dogs. You know, I understand why people are kind of ambivalent or they're like, well, I don't really like dogs that I don't really hate them. But whenever I meet someone who like dislikes dogs, I, there's nothing probably that we'll have in common. Like I don't, I don't trust them. I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's weird to me. And so the people that I've met in my life who were like, you know, they like shove dogs away when dogs come over and solicit attention. I just think to myself, like, what is wrong with you? I understand not wanting a dog to rub on you, but they're like, oh, no, I don't like dogs. I just, I don't like dogs. Then I'm, I just wonder what went wrong in their life to not like dogs. And, and I'm, now we're all past the age where, oh, I got bit when I was a kid. Oh, okay, yep, yeah, but now you're 35. So don't you understand that not all dogs bite? Mm-mm, nope, see, because I had got bit when I was a kid. Okay, out you go. We're not friends. Get out. Speaking of animals, I want to talk about something that's been in the news. It's been a hot topic. It's one of these things that's got us all divided. We're fighting about it. And that's ivermectin, the old horse dewormer. You know, whenever something like this happens and, and politicians use things to divide us, it becomes more and more frustrating for me. I end up trusting and liking our government and the leaders less and less every time Something like this happens. And what I'm talking about, specifically, is that all these people who are posting on Facebook and social media, and I guess they have no one else to talk to, they're posting about how stupid people are for taking ivermectin. But what these people don't realize is that ivermectin has been used in the third world countries to prevent all types of diseases and to treat illnesses and parasites and it attacks anything that's living that's not supposed to be. And so doctors are now prescribing ivermectin to people who are catching COVID early enough. They, they catch it, they feel off, they get tested. If you get tested within two or three days of feeling bad and it's positive, ivermectin makes a world of difference. And so even people like Joe Rogan, who he's like, I'm not vaccinated, and he went and got the ivermectin treatment from his doctor, not the horse equivalent, the human equivalent, and he was better in like three, four days. And, and why are we so f- much against anything except for the vaccine? Why is no one talking about to eat healthier, to work out, to focus on getting your sleep, to do breathing exercises, get your lungs strong? Like we should be teaching people how to deal with this disease or how to get their bodies in better shape because everyone will get this. And so instead of just pushing for a vaccine. And I'm completely convinced based on the, the behavior of these quote-unquote leaders of our country, which is quite embarrassing, but that's a different topic. I'm full-fledged, fledgedly? Whole, I don't know, wholeheartedly. <laughs> I'm wholeheartedly convinced that the U.S. government struck a deal with these pharmaceutical companies, and within the confines of that deal, it specifically says you cannot endorse, and not only can you not endorse, but you must also, and I don't know the technical word, but like squash any rumors that are flying around about other things that might be helpful to fight COVID. And I think they probably did that in order to, to negotiate 
a better rate of the vaccine because don't forget all these vaccines that are quote unquote free to everyone are paid for by our tax dollars. Just remember, nothing is free ever. Nothing. Everything has a cost. And so I don't know for sure, but I could see this deal going down where Trump goes to all these pharmaceutical companies and he says, look, I need you to stop producing whatever you're making. I need you to work on this vaccine. And they said, okay, that's fine. Just cough up some money. Give us some money. Pay for it. You're going to have to pay us. Okay. And then they start the negotiations. And one of the items in there is like, no matter what, the U.S. government has to push the vaccine. Part of the contract. So that's also why I honestly believe that if Trump would have won the election, he would have pushed the vaccine. Because the, the contract between the government and these pharmaceutical companies doesn't specify who needs to be in office. It's just the government has to act by a certain set of rules in order for us to supply you with these vaccines at this price. Because if it weren't for that, vaccines would probably cost a lot more. It wouldn't be available to everyone, blah, 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 blah. So naturally, Trump would have pushed the vaccine. He would have loved to take credit for it. It would be all because of him. He would be singing his own praises. He would want for everyone to bow down and worship him. And so he would be pushing the vaccine. At which point, all the people who follow Trump and do everything that he says to do without questioning it would run out and get the vaccine as well. That would cause the left to turn against him and to flip-flop and not take the vaccine. I got quotes from Nancy Pelosi, AOC, all these liberals saying, I'm not taking the vaccine. If Trump is responsible for the vaccine, I'm not going to take it. And you got the old cackler, Kamala Harris, saying the same thing. I just lose respect for these people by the day. Obviously, there's some of them who are good people. Some of them. There's always outliers on a bell curve. There's a tail on both sides. But for the most part, I'm just losing faith in politicians. And there is now some people that are being elected to politics that isn't because they were born into the right circles, but it is because maybe they were leaders. And there are also people being elected into politics that have absolutely no business being there, but they're being elected because they, they riled up a group or they built a fan base for probably the wrong reasons. Take AOC, for example. She's done nothing in her life. She's accomplished nothing in her life. She's never led anything. All she does is scream and complain. And she looks okay. So, I don't know. Call me a chauvinist if you want to. I feel like that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was elected for the wrong reasons. That's just my opinion. So anyway, that's my theory on the, uh, the vaccine, the supporters, the naysayers. And yeah, it's just odd to me that all we're doing is pushing the vaccine. We're not doing anything else. We're not talking about taking your vitamins. We're not talking about vitamin D, vitamin D deficiency. What percentage of people who go on ventilators are vitamin D deficient? Do you know that one? Right. No, of course you don't, because no one's spewing out the facts. And much like the mask, I know there's some people out there that are saying, Brandon, just take the vaccine. Just take the vaccine. Well, I might. I might not. I may have. Who knows? You'll never know. My response to those people is, I feel sorry for you for not questioning things. You should be skeptical, especially looking at the way this thing's evolving and understanding the reasoning behind why they're pushing it. It just makes sense to me. If they really didn't want people to get the, the virus or they wanted people to deal with it well, I mean, if you talk to anyone, doctors, health experts, they all tell you, like, focus on your diet, get your exercise, get your sleep, take these four or five vitamins, and more than likely you'll be okay. And if you're not, if you don't fall into that category where more than likely you'll be okay, then maybe, yeah, go get the vaccine, but still do everything else. 
all we hear is vaccine, 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 vaccine. <laughs> now, old Slurry Joe is trying to make it a law that businesses require employees to be vaccinated. I mean, I'm telling you, there's some shady stuff going on between the government and these pharmaceutical companies. This, Remember, this is the same pharmaceutical companies who people would run around saying, I hate big pharma. I just don't like big pharma, big pharma, big pharma, big pharma. You've heard it, big pharma. What is small pharma, okay? So these people that are distrusting of big pharma are also the ones saying, just go get the vaccine. So remember, we're not supposed to trust big pharma. They are shady. They're here to make money, just like every other business. I'm not knocking them for it. I'm just saying it's our job as a consumer, as the people being... controlled by the government, we have to question things because these people are motivated by profit. For those of you that don't know, uh, the lady named Jen Psaki, I think it's pronounced Saki. She's the new White House spokesperson for Biden. Probably one of the worst spokespeople I've ever heard. Uh, She has trouble speaking. Her thought process doesn't flow. Uh, She's always got a list of bullet points she's reading and everything she says, her voice goes up and it sounds very condescending. You know, you know the kind of person I'm talking about. Here's a little, here's a little clip of her saying that uh, vaccines will not be mandated, which we all know um, any business over 100 employees is now required per Slurry Joe to force their employees to get vaccinated or take a test once a week at the employee's cost. They didn't, they didn't talk about that detail. So just listen to the old circle back girl. Everyone calls her circle back girl because every time you ask her a question and she doesn't know the answer, she says, I don't have that in front of me right now, but I will circle back with you and I will get back with you about the answer to that question. So just listen. Terrible spokesperson. Wouldn't expect anything else from Biden. Uh, There are a couple key principles that we are working from. One is that there will be no centralized universal federal vaccinations database and no federal mandate requiring everyone to obtain a single vaccination credential. Second, we want to encourage an open market. Yeah, no mandate requiring people to obtain a vaccination credential. I mean, if you want to get technical and split hairs about it, sure, okay. But this uh, this has just gone too far. There's no one that probably thinks this is a great idea. Maybe 20% of the people, maybe 30%. But it's just, sorry guys, it's just not that bad. There's not enough people dying from this to to warrant this behavior. And if someone were to ask me, okay, Brandon, at what point would you say it is worth it to have a mandatory vaccine? And my answer to that is it would have to be extreme. It would have to be 70, 80, 90% death rate in my opinion, because if it gets bad enough, if enough people are dying, people will make the decisions to to salvage themselves. We don't need to have some government force it on us because we as a people, as a group, we voted. We voted with our behavior, with whether or not we get the vaccination, with whether or not we go to work, with whether or not we wear face diapers. All that stuff is us voting. And I'm a firm believer that we should not be in the business of keeping stupid people from making bad decisions. That's my opinion. I know there's people out there who thinks that we should just put everyone in a bubble and make all the decisions for the ones who are too stupid to think for themselves, but that's not me. Freedom is not that. Freedom is not not having the ability to make bad decisions. Freedom is having the ability to make bad decisions. And you know what? Sometimes people die. That's the cost of freedom.
It's a trade-off. Safety, security, and freedom, you can't have an increase of both at the same time. As one goes up, the other one goes down. So if you can't guess, I'm entirely fed up with the way that the Biden administration is handling the COVID vaccination. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's preposterous. Uh, I don't think it's going to hold up. We'll see. We're at the point now where people are making laws out of spite. I think this is probably, oh, yeah, Texas, you want to um, outlaw abortion after six weeks? Well, here you go. We're going to make you get a vaccine for all your workers. I really do think we're at the point of making policy out of spite, and that's dangerous. Do some research. See if you can figure out why Rome imploded. Remember, no one took over Rome. They fell in on, on themselves. Do a little reading about that. See if, uh, see if anything's maybe aligning with what's happening here. And now it's time for the topic everyone loves. <laughs> Cryptocurrency. I've, I've figured out that my podcast is basically about dogs, cryptocurrency, some of the financial market, maybe little stocks, COVID, and specifically within COVID, you've got Biden, you've got masks, and you've got vaccines. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> I don't talk about much more. Maybe some hummingbirds every now and then. So if you keep up with cryptocurrency and the price of it, specifically Bitcoin, we had a big crash last week. I think it was Monday, Tuesday, something like that. We were all geared up. It was a big rally. Everything was going through the roof. All of a sudden at 8.06, I think it was Tuesday morning, we had a huge drop. And this ended up equating to $200 billion worth of market cap that just poof, disappeared. I'm not going to go into too many details on what market cap is, but it's the total number of assets, or in this case, tokens, cryptocurrency units, whatever you want to call it, times the value of them. And if you add those up for the entire market, it gives you the market cap or the total value of all the cryptocurrencies that are being traded. And so it was right around $2.6 trillion right before the crash. The crash hit, and it fell $200 billion dollars. Now, we don't know exactly why it fell. We have a pretty good idea. Um, if you also weren't aware, um, El Salvador, the country, went live on the same day that the market crashed. I think it was Tuesday with their new legal tender, which is Bitcoin. So the president signed a law that uh, creates Bitcoin as a legal tender in El Salvador. That means you can use it to buy things. You can use it to pay taxes. You can use it to buy real estate. People have to accept it. And so there was some speculation that, oh, maybe, uh, maybe this is all based on the, the El Salvador you know, using Bitcoin and it caused the price to fall for whatever reason. And no, 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 that, that wasn't it. Uh, what happened was some big what we call a whale. So there's a few people who control tons of Bitcoin. And so they have the ability to move the market. So what they can do is they can pump a whole bunch of Bitcoin for sale. So then you have a huge influx of supply. And the same amount of demand, and we know from high school economics that that makes the price do what? That's right, go down. So price goes down. Then what these rich guys can do is buy all their Bitcoin back at a lower price and come out ahead because they know the price will go back up eventually. This is one of the pitfalls of having what we call low liquidity or a marketplace that doesn't have enough Bitcoin floating around to be traded because you can move the market with a 93, $98 million buy or sell, depending on how you do it. So we're talking what happened here. So a whale sold, or maybe a couple of them got together. They all decided to sell. The price fell down. What happened was 
that struck what's called the guys who are leveraged. So you have the ability to borrow money within these exchanges who offer trading of cryptocurrency. So let's just say you have 10 Bitcoin and you walk in there and you say, hey, I got 10. Loan me some more. At one point in time, they would loan you 100x. So they would loan you 100 times the amount of Bitcoin you had in what's called leverage. And so the way that works is let's just say you walk in there with your 10. Or let's just say you have one. I said, I have one Bitcoin. I want to I borrow 100x. Now they give you 100. So you've got 101. 100's theirs. One's yours. You make all the money on the price action. So price ticks up 2%. You take those $2 and you keep them, even though you only had $1 invested. But the flip side of that is when the price goes down. So this is called a long position. Whenever you own shares and you're waiting for the price to go up, that's called being in a long position, as opposed to being in a short position where you're waiting to buy into the market. So what happened was the, the price fell down to a point that got low enough to where these people who had borrowed Bitcoin to, to gamble, they had to either produce more cash to cover that price difference because the guy who loaned them the Bitcoin, he saw that the value was going down. And he said, look, either you need to put in more cash to cover the difference because if this thing goes to zero, I want to make sure that I have enough money to cover me. I don't want to be out my money. So he either has to produce cash or the brokerage or the, the trading exchange will liquidate your Bitcoin to cover their cost or to, to make sure that they don't get run, out, run down to zero. It's kind of complicated. I'm probably not doing a good job explaining it. Just think about it like this. Someone borrowed money. They invested it. The price starts falling. The guy says, hey, I want my money back right now. And they don't have it. So the guy then sells the asset to get his money. And so this is what happened on the big crash. We just triggered that scenario with a bunch of guys selling at the same time to drop the price. Another price started falling. People had a certain amount of time to re-up their accounts to make sure it didn't fall below a certain level. They couldn't do it. Their assets got sold then the whales picked him up. And so it sucks. It sucks that you can manipulate the market, but it's just a matter of time. We're just going to have to sort through it. Maybe there'll be some regulations that come about. Maybe it'll just take more time and more money before it happens. But it does suck, but it gives people like me and you the opportunity to buy when it's low. So it sucks to see it drop, but whenever it does, I scrape up any money I can and I buy a little bit more. And you should be doing the same thing. There are some people out there that think that the whales crashed the market just so El Salvador could buy some more, buy more than what they planned on. So I think they still had like 100 Bitcoin left to buy with their treasury, their federal treasury. And when the price fell, they were able to pick up 50% more. So it ended up helping them out. They ended up getting one and a half times the Bitcoin for the money that they had allocated. So there's some people out there that say, yeah, people, someone did that just to help El Salvador acquire more Bitcoin. So who knows? That's the thing is you don't know. Could be a good person, could be a bad person. We don't know their intentions. We just have to be able to play the market when it moves. Another cool little tidbit about Bitcoin that I'd wanted to share with you guys. There's a, um, there's a website called the Wayback Machine. And you can go to it and you can search, you can set a date range and it will go back and pull up whatever website you tell it to based on what it looked like in that day on that day or whatever that date range. So I took the time back to like 2012, 2013, 2014. And I just put in Bitcoin. I started reading about it. And I remember when people were impressed because the value of Bitcoin, if you added them all up, it was equal to the GDP of Mongolia. 
which was $14.2 billion. So what that means is that the value or the sum of all the money that the people spent within Mongolia, all the money that the government spent, and all the money that businesses spent adds up to about $14.2 billion. Well, fast forward seven, eight, nine years later, the value of the market cap of Bitcoin is now worth about a trillion. So that's the GDP somewhere between Italy, France. I don't know for sure. I looked it up, but I forgot exactly what it was. But it was in the top five or six. So the value of this fake magical unicorn internet money has gone from the size of the GDP of Mongolia to some of the strongest countries in Western Europe. And we're just getting started. So I don't know how else to convince you to go buy some other than just look at history. I'm totally kidding. That's not financial advice. Don't buy Bitcoin. It's completely up to you. I don't want to get in trouble for giving you advice. So pretend, like I said, if you like to participate in risky assets that can make you rich, perhaps you should consider buying Bitcoin. If you value your time and your hard-earned money and it would crush you to see it go down 25%, do not buy Bitcoin. For some reason, the government frowns upon people giving financial advice who aren't qualified. Whatever, I get it. Oh, that, there's another something I wanted to touch on. Speaking of being qualified for investing, there's a, a requirement in the U.S. that for someone to invest in a private company, so not a public company that's traded on the stock exchange, but if you want to buy shares of a private company, it's not one of your family members, it's just a random company that you want to invest in, you have to be what's called an accredited investor. And what it takes to be an accredited investor is a net worth over a million dollars. I think this is the dumbest thing ever. I think this is the dumbest requirement ever. You can walk into a casino and bet your entire life savings on black or red, but you can't invest in a company. And I know the argument, well, you know the risk of betting on black or red. It's, you know, just under 50-50. Yes, I know that. But wouldn't someone take the time to do their research if they're going to invest in a company? And what, just because someone's worth a million dollars, they know more about money than someone who's worth 675000 I just don't, I don't think so. Once again, this, this is a way for the elites to limit their competition. Because if you have fewer lenders, if you have fewer people that are willing to loan money, what does that do? We go back to our high school economics. It raises the price of that money because you have less ways to get it. So when you have a shorter supply of something and you have the equal demand... What happens? The price goes up. And so this, this, this whole accredited investor thing, they stand behind it saying, well, it protects the, the little guy. It keeps him from getting ripped off. I don't believe it. We're allowing people that are worth a million dollars to get ripped off, but we're worried about the guys worth nine fifty. Makes no sense to me. But we all just do it. Answer the first question? <laughs> I'm laughing too. They actually... I. Well, look, I mean, he has made clear that uh, uh, it's still playing. There's just a weird silence. Still playing. Still playing. The answer is, I believe he has in the past essentially acknowledged that he was uh, or certain things that he would do or did do. Clear as mud there, Joey. Oh, slurry Joe coming at you with authority spoken like a boss. Who wants to mess with that guy? <laughs> what did he even say? 
He doesn't even know. The man does not know of which he speaks. Here's another one from the big guy. <laughs> Don't forget, his nickname is the big guy. When he gets cut in on shady deals that his son lines up with other countries on, and he uses his son for a straw man, in the emails, the code for him is the big guy. He gets his 10%. Here's another uh, powerful, powerful speech from the big guy. We are going to deal with climate change and end, have zero emissions, net emissions by 2050. By 2020, make sure all our electricity is zero emissions. We're going to be able to do these things, but we've got to move. We've got to move. They're really showing themselves to do really well. Come on, man. <laughs> by 2050, uh, we're going to show zero emissions by 2020. Uh, yo, Slurry. Yo, yo, Slurry. You realize that was last year, man. <laughs> Start calling him Humpty. Humpty Hump. Because if he fell, he'd be in a bind. Yo, dog, what happened to the president? Man, he fell and broke his hip. Oh, man. Okay, probably had enough Slurry Joe for one day. I mean, I think it's funny. I laugh at the guy. And you know what? If you say or you think... Oh, you shouldn't laugh at him. He's No, no. So you're admitting that he's got some issues. Because if I was laughing at him and there was nothing wrong with him, it wouldn't bother you. But if, if it bothers you that I'm laughing at him, you know he's got something wrong with him. I started to feel sorry for the guy. And then I thought, no, he's doing this to himself. He signed up for this. Nah, I'm going to laugh at him. It's hilarious. It really is. You know, recently there's been a lot of talk about big tech. Big tech this, big tech that. How they're oppressing free speech, which they're doing far more than Texas is oppressing voters, but that's for a different story. And so I got to thinking about who do they need to keep happy? So if you look at big tech and the people they service, it's big businesses. It's not little businesses. Every now and then they, they advertise for small businesses, sure. But they don't need to keep users happy. It's not the people that are that are Facebook fighting that they care about keeping happy. It's their customers. Who are their customers? It's the people that pay them to advertise. And so who is the only person that has the power to alter the course of these big tech companies? It's not competition. It's the government. The government is the only one who can control what these people do. So there's another group of people that they have to keep happy. So if you've got to keep big businesses happy and you got to keep the government happy, by default, you're going to piss off another group of people. But if you're getting donations from these big businesses and you're, they're buying advertising from you, you're getting donations from these movie stars, and you can give those donations to politicians to structure the laws in a way that doesn't harm you. And remember, if there's a law made, if a piece of policy gets added, there's always a winner, there's always a loser. So if they keep policy from being added, there's no way to take power from them. Or if they get policy put in a place that benefits them, obviously it benefits them. So from their perspective, what motivation do they have for everyone to get along? And that's none. They have no motivation for us to all be friends. It would cost their business money. It would cost Facebook money. If people quit fighting and quit engaging and everyone cut their comments by one half, Facebook would plummet. Their stock would go down. They'd be in a bind. And I would love for all of us people that are sick and tired of all the drama on Facebook 
to boycott them for like six months. No Facebook for six months or, or all agree to limit our time. I don't think people can do it because they're so addicted, but that is the only way that we could take power back from them. Never in a million years did we think that we would have to be controlling businesses because they're limiting our free speech. When we put the Constitution together, I can only assume that we never thought we'd have to limit businesses. We thought the government would be the only one powerful enough to ever take away our rights. And here we are in a new world fighting against big tech so that they don't take away our rights. It's crazy times we're living in. I know people say that all the time. People probably said that in 1955. But technology is increasing exponentially, and we're actually growing faster. We're moving faster than what the regulators can keep up with. So it's going to be more interesting as we go. So far, the blockchain technology is moving faster and being adopted two or three times faster than the Internet. So that's kind of to be expected because the Internet is a platform that it runs on. But just keep a close eye on it. Keep a close eye. All right, I think that's going to wrap up today's program. I, uh, a little bit shorter today than what I'd hoped for, but I've got to hop off here and get on my homeboy Harry's podcast, which is called Eskimo Bros 69, or I think he may have changed it to Old Dog New Tricks. But it's still, you can find it if you search for Eskimo Bros 69, bro. Thanks for listening to the Life in Paradise podcast. Hope I didn't drag you down with all my bitching. <laughs> but if you know me, you'll know that that's not my attitude. That's just my thoughts. And I like to be able to express them. I like to be able to put them out there in a place that kind of forces people to listen to them without them being able to interrupt me. So instead of like getting into an argument with someone, I'll just like forward them a podcast where I talked about it and gave my thoughts. And then they can just listen to it and steam and, and you know, try to argue with me, but I won't really respond. I'm, I'm kind of done engaging with people. Every now and then I, I will if I care about them or they're close to me. But it's, um, I won't engage with people who get angry or upset or mad or call me stupid or redneck. You know, I just I don't have time for those people. My time is far too valuable, and I hope yours is too. So thanks again for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. I hope everyone has a great week ahead. we got a tropical storm coming for the Texas coast. Probably going to be underwater all week. That said, go out there, help your neighbor, be cool, train your dog, play with your dog, take care of your kids, teach them something new, hold the door open for someone, and eat some barbecue. Life in Paradise podcast. Keep it tranquilo. Yeah.